Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Price, joined, as always, with my friends Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Dan, uh, five missed kicks, another loss for the Packers. Mason Crosby missed five kicks, the most since Cole Ford missed five in 1997 for the Raiders which, you know, is pre-Sebastian Janikowski, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> league wide kickers are 48 out of 63 for 76% on week in Week 5. League average is 84%. What's going on with these kickers? What's going on with the Packers? Uh, I assume your weekend was bad because of that. Uh, you know, I'm a Brewers fan, too, and they, they advanced <laughs> to the NLCS. So There's no baseball talk I'm sorry. Podcast. I'm pretty jacked for it. That That's all I'll, I'll say for it. Uh there's there shouldn't be kicker talk on this podcast either yeah okay <laughs> uh yeah the kicker thing mason crosby will be fine i'm not worried about that if you're if your fantasy league has kickers i guess you can worry about it i'm not gonna because mine don't yeah i don't i don't either i just thought it was uh it was, the it packers was pain, it was on the other hand that's a mess that's ugly it, it not, really is it's uh, not getting but, better anytime soon I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he came on. It's, it's, it's clear he's going to produce with no hot is no matter who was out there on the field. But, uh, yeah, it's not not looking great for us this season. Ryan, how are you doing, man? How, how did Week try, 5 treat you? It was another good one. I'm, I'm not a Packer fan, or I'm, and I'm not a kicker fan either. So it was a good weekend. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's dive into some news. Uh, we are going to follow a similar format we've done the last several weeks uh, that uh, Dan started our Twitter take segment. So we're going to keep going with that. First, some news to dive into, fellas. Uh, first up, Dan, Jay Ajayi tore ACL to the IR. He's a free agent in 2019. This was kind of a surprise injury, honestly, because he missed some snaps in the first half, came back in the second half uh, You know, after this apparent knee injury and played the rest of the game. So he, at one point, was playing with both a broken back and a torn ACL. So that's one tough dude. Uh, but it's over for him for 2018. What do you think about 2019? He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, are you going to buy for the discount at all there uh, or, or sell for whatever you can get and vice versa? Well, you know, I've never been a real big Jay Ajayi fan going back to when he was even drafted. And as he kind of progressed through Miami and then the trade to Philadelphia, it all just felt a little unassuming to me, a little bit like, man, I, it, I, I couldn't get excited about it. I, I really was kind of perplexed when it came to trying to evaluate him or, or put a value to him, or at least a dynasty one. Uh, so I, I haven't invested in Jay Ajayi anywhere. If I did have him right now, I, I you can't sell him because the you're, you're going to have to take pennies on the dollar at this point with the 
question marks surrounding him. First, he's got to get over the injury and get back to where he was. Secondly, he's, a like you mentioned, a free agent, so we don't know where he's going to be playing. So there, there's just too many questions for me. I'm certainly not buying, and, and probably most likely if I'm an owner, I'm not selling unless it's something, a situation where I can get a young player that I that I coveted, that I wasn't able to get in a rookie draft, or, or something that, that really appeals to me. Uh, I'm certainly not selling low at this point unless I have to. Ryan, there's been lots of rumors about the, what the Eagles are going to do at running back right now. There was there was rumors that Bell might that might go there. That those have been kind of squashed. You know, believe what you want from the coaches in the in the front office there. But today, there's rumors now that they may have be looking out to try to get Lashawn McCoy back in an Eagles uniform. But uh, as far as we know right now, it looks like it's going to be Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood the rest of the way. So. Do you have any interest in acquiring either of those guys, or are you, if you pick them off the waiver wire, are you just going to go ahead and sell them now based on this opportunity they're going to get? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would be interested in selling them. I don't think I don't think they're worth too much, honestly. I don't know that you're going to get much for them, and if you can get uh, a couple of games, uh, starter-worthy games out of them, which Smallwood has already produced. He was RB ten a couple weeks ago, and he had a he had an RB two uh, finish this past week. And we've seen some uh, some big games from Corey Clement, mostly last year as a rookie. So I don't think you're getting much from either of those guys in a trade. If they're already on my roster, I'm probably just going to stick with them. But I do think it makes sense that the Eagles will, will probably make a move. We've seen them be aggressive with that in the past, uh, obviously acquiring Ajayi a year ago. And I think McCoy does, again, makes makes a lot of sense for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they... Uh, if they pursued that and and made that happen, it would nice to be be nice to see Lashawn McCoy get back on a team where he can he can do something for the rest of his career for sure. It still might be a committee though with the way those Eagles use those backs. But yeah, uh, let's move on. Mark Ingram, Ryan, uh, he returned 16 carries, 53 yards, two touchdown, two catches on three targets for 20 yards. Kamara only six for 24 and three catches on four targets for 15 yards uh amaze hayes our buddy addison hayes at ff statistics put out a tweet this morning that says ingram has only four fewer fantasy points than both Lashawn mccoy and derrick henry in 2018 in standard non-ppr leagues which is pretty <laughs> impressive for for ingram i guess and, and or maybe more of a disappointment for those other two guys uh we talked last week neither of us or none of us were, were really worried about what ingram was going to do to kamara's value so what do you think about this performance where where ingram out touched kamara 18 to 9 maybe this was just a kind of a breather week for for kamara you know ingram is fresh off off of that suspension and uh, maybe they just need to give kamara a little bit of a break but are you worried at all now in terms of the split between these two uh, no, no, not worried at all. Um, I, I don't think this would create any kind of buying opportunity for Kamara. I, I don't think his fantasy owners, dynasty owners specifically, are uh, would would be that rash. If if somehow I could buy him for three first instead of the four first, it might have <laughs> cost a week ago. I would do that. Uh, but no, it it doesn't worry me for Kamara's. Um, Kamara standing going forward I do think it it's it's good to see for Ingram you know if you have him on your roster I think it was fair to question or or be concerned if you were actually going to 
to be able to use him this season as as a fantasy starter and and this tells me we probably will at least as a flex guy or an rb2 so i I think based on this one game it looks like we're going to revert to what we saw uh, from much of last season which is both of these guys uh, being usable in fantasy lineups and i'll echo pretty much what what ryan said there i i thought and ryan kind of alluded to it a little bit or or you did matt that it was more of just there's one guy here that has fresh legs and needs the work he he didn't get all all the work for the last four weeks and and maybe it was like you mentioned even an opportunity for kamara to take a little bit of a break uh maybe the coaching staff wanted to see what they had in ingram so i'm not worried about kamara either and and like Ryan said, I'm enthused about Ingram's upside going forward. Like he said, we're going to see a lot of the same, and I I wouldn't be shocked to see high-end running back two numbers from Ingram going forward. I know in the leagues that I have him, I'm going to happily put him in my starting lineup going forward. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm not worried about Kamara. I, I don't think that we could have ever expected him to continue on the pace that he had for the first four weeks where he was on pace for 364 touches. I just don't think that was ever going to happen. So we'll have to see that efficiency bump up uh, again with Ingram there um, for Kamara to maintain at least his production uh, going forward in 2018. But definitely not worried about him in Dynasty. Don't sell low. Uh, over to another running back, uh, Jamal Charles is back from the dead. He signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars today. Dan, is there anything to see here? I think he's probably still going to be in a relief role behind TJ Yeldon for as long as TJ Yeldon is healthy and, of course, Fournette uh, once he gets back. Uh, But uh, what are you going to do here? Are you going to add him on your waivers, dump all your your fab on him this week, um, or just kind of let somebody else take that plunge? Well, I don't think I'm going to dump everything I got on on Jamal Charles. I think the best-case scenario, most likely – is what we saw in Denver a year ago. And, and while he averaged over four yards a carry, at least I saw that in a tweet, uh, it wasn't like he was ultra productive for fantasy purposes. I, I wouldn't expect anything but a change of pace type guy, a guy that's going to catch a few passes and and give Yeldon and, and uh, those guys a, a break from time to time. So, you know, I know Jamal Charles fans, and there's a lot of them out there, a lot of dynasty owners that, that love that guy are pretty excited about getting another chance to see him. As a football fan, I'm, I'm, I hope to, to see him break a big one like he did back in the day in Kansas City. But as far as my dynasty teams go, it's probably something for somebody's going to pay more than I will in waivers. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not going to be chasing Charles at all. Um, yeah, prob- probably won't even attempt to to get him on my roster. Wow, that's that's some negativity for, for Mr. Jamal Charles. I'm a little bit more positive than you guys. I've never been that into Yeldon. I, I don't know if I'm going to dump all of it on there, but I think we're getting pretty close to the point where it's time to, to move in most of your, or if not all of your, your fab budget on a player like this. Once we get to the week eight, week nine, week 10, there's not really a whole lot to see. So I think we're close to that point, but I agree it's, it's not time for, for 100% of what you have left on Charles yet. And Ryan, we'll go back to you, Devontae Parker. I guess we should start with Dan here, but we'll start with you. Let, let Dan wrap <laughs> us up here with Devontae Parker since he's his boy. But rumors that he's on the block, then we had those rumors squash. He's not on the block. He's not really doing anything for the Dolphins. Nobody's really doing anything for the Dolphins, if we're being honest right now. So, I mean, we, I think it was Nathan Powell on the Tradecast this week that said that maybe we're looking at, uh, could be looking at a like extended Corey Coleman situation here where he just, just disappears. Uh, 
Are you are you getting out with for whatever you can on Parker right now? Um, I mean, probably not. If if I've got him on my roster, I, I don't see any point in in just selling him for a third or or the equivalent of that. And I, I think that's probably what we're looking at. I, I don't think you can even get a second round pick anymore. So at that price point, I would just keep him and and hope a new landing spot or a, a new team would somehow make a difference. But uh, in some ways, I, I guess maybe it's comforting to see that the the Dolphins are as frustrated as as fantasy owners are. That we all seem to be on the same page that this guy just uh, continues to disappoint, nagging injuries, and and even when he has been on the field, he hasn't uh, hasn't really produced. And I, he's not my. Where do you guys get that? He's not my. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you jumped off that train. No, I guess I've huh? evacuated. I've I've e- hit the eject button. I'm I, I've been out for nearly a year now. I guess. You know, you know, Matt. In a couple of years, this will be the conversation about Calvin Ridley. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I was going to say we need to go back like sixty episodes or so and see what Dan's take on Parker was then. You know, Parker Parker never had a stretch like Ridley has, so I guess I guess I have that in my corner. Um, you know, I'm out, but like Ryan said, it you're not going to get enough to really make it worth your while. Just hope hope for the best. Hope a change of scenery does it, or maybe it's a coaching change. Somebody needs to get through that guy to unlock that potential. I th- I still th- believe it's there, but it's between the ears with him. He, he's got the talent. I I just I'm not convinced he really wants to be good at football. Yeah, there's all kinds of talk about how he's, you know, not the best locker room personality as well. I mean, I could honestly see him being in a cut for the for the Dolphins at some point in the future. And, and at that point, I don't know what to have. But I agree. It's probably not worth it to sell for a third right now. But if, if I could somehow get a second out, out of him, I would I would definitely do that. Maybe maybe you could package Devontae Parker and a third for a second, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's the best play. This is, this is really what we should, should expect from Louisville Cardinals, though. They're just... <laughs> Hey, you take that back about Teddy Bridgewater. Well done, okay? sir. Uh, let's go on, Dan, to uh, your rookie report card. This week you want to talk about Christian Kirk and Marquez Valdez Scantling. Lead us off here. Yeah, and the, you know our listeners can go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com and find the article to see what I think. But I'd love to know what you guys think of these two guys. I, I thought when I really dug into things with Christian Kirk, some intri- interesting numbers – came up at least for me um although he's fourth on the team among pass catchers in in routes run in snaps played he leads the team in catches and yards and and has really put played a big part now that 75 yard touchdown that he caught in week five ryan was was a nice play and everything he only he only had three grabs on four targets but he got that touchdown um I don't think we see Christian Kirk as a big play guy, right? We're we're not expecting those kind of things. We see him as a underneath intermediate maybe receiver that has a little bit more wiggle than than long speed and and plays the role of the slot receiver well. So I think I don't think dynasty owners should get used to to seeing that 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 over the top pass although it was impressive. Um he certainly looked good and anybody that that has him, Ryan, should should be encouraged with his usage and also his production to this point. Yeah, I agree. And he was actually my wide receiver, too, uh, throughout the offseason in that rookie class. 
so he he's a player I've been a fan of, and I'll I'll disagree a little bit. In college, I actually was pretty impressed with uh, with his speed, and and felt like he made a lot of big plays. As far as hitting those deep balls and being that Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson type player, yeah, I agree. We're we're not going to see that, but um, maybe it is more of that wiggle, like you said. But uh, he he was just a highlight reel at. Uh, at A and M, so uh, I would expect that to continue to some degree. Um, and, and that, I mean, that Cardinals team is really just a work in progress, uh, and and it's probably not going to be a, a situation where we can really use Kirk much this year. But I, I still love the upside uh, as as these young guys on that team kind of grow together, uh, mainly Rosen and Kirk. I'm excited to see what the next couple of years hold. And he is he is gaining value. We saw his ADP actually steadily drop throughout the offseason and into the the beginning of the regular season. And then our recent uh, most recent data, which just hit the site this week, he actually jumped almost 20 spots. So he's up to 72 overall. Oh, that that's really encouraging for dynasty owners. Uh, probably not for those who are, are trying to add him. Matt, what are your thoughts here? You know, Larry Fitzgerald is aging to say the least and you know the next best option is probably ricky seals jones and while there's a lot of dynasty owners that are excited about his upside i'm not sure that anybody's jumping off the roofs to get any more shares of him uh going forward it seems like this is going to be kirk's show at some point and it's probably going to come sooner rather than later Yes, I'm, I, I echo Ryan's sentiments. I, I'm very excited about this combination between kirk and rosen but i i, I find it really hard to think that I will feel comfortable starting him this week unless I'm just suffering hugely from buys or injuries or something like that. Uh, the, the really unfortunate part here is that him and Fitzgerald play like the same natural position right now. And I think that's keeping him off the field more than it, more than maybe it should. Um, you know, I, I would hope that they could play him outside a little bit. I know that's not his perfect role. There's a lot of people comped him to, to players like Golden Tate and such. Uh, coming out, but I think he has maybe a little bit more big playability than those guys. So I'm excited to see him for the future, but I just I don't think he's going to get enough work this season to to really feel comfortable starting him at any point. But I I, I wish I had him more of him. I have several shares. Wish I had more. Um, and and you know maybe uh, if there's somebody that doesn't like him as much or is disappointed with what he's done so far, maybe they think they can sell high off of this one and you can sweep in and, and grab a a share of him for you know if I have to pay a, 20, a late because we're all contenders again here on the show so if I have to pay a late 2019 first and, and maybe add in a late second or, or early third or something like that to get the deal done then I would be all over doing that. How about uh, Valdez Scantlin, Dan? Yeah, he was the other guy I, I wrote about that we covered in the rookie report card on DLF. Seven catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Nearly caught another one, Matt. He was, he was uh, after review, called down at the half-yard line. It was an encouraging game for a late-round rookie draft pick, a guy that you don't have a lot invested into. Is this just a... Uh, what happens when two of your top three receivers are out and somebody has to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers? Or is there something more we can take from this performance from MVS in Green Bay going forward? I I really think he's going to be the, the next Randall Cobb, so to speak, in that Cobb role, you know, assuming that McCarthy comes back and he's running the same offense that he, that he always run. I think he really profiles nicely there. 
Um, I think some people have said that, oh, but, uh, you know, Equinamia St. Brown had 89 yards. But if you watch that game, most of his damage really came on that last drive where Rodgers was just going ham, trying to win the game. And it was mostly garbage time there. Not garbage time because they, they had a shot to come back and win the game. But uh, I think Valdez Scandling was clearly ahead of both Jamon Moore and Equinamia St. Brown uh, for that game and probably going forward as well, at least where things stand right now. So, yeah, I was I was extremely encouraged by what we saw from him. And the fact that Rodgers trusted him enough to throw him 10 targets, you know, he, 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 he had a lot of injured receivers, obviously, a lot of, a lot of injured weapons, but, uh, you know, he still had Devontae Adams out there and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, I know this is a sidetrack, though, but Jimmy Graham looks completely done to me. So that's <laughs> rest in peace, your top five projections for him. Uh, Ryan, what do you think of Valdez Scantling? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be excited by what we saw, just um, if nothing else, that Rodgers trusted him so much and and maybe that's maybe that's just a case of uh, they had run out of options but with his play these last couple games mixed in with Graham I I, I agree with you Matt and mixed in with our guy Cobb uh, these injuries and and he's clearly taken a step back unfortunately I think it's it would be hard to rank Cobb over Valdez Scantling at this point yeah, that seems bold, but I, I, I can't argue with you. I mean, he had that nice game in week one, and we thought maybe he was back, but literally nothing since since then. I know he's he'd been injured, but that's been the excuse we've been making for him for years now, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen with Cobb anymore this year. I'm sure we'll have a game or two here and there, but good luck figuring out when those will be. All right, let's move on to our Twitter takes segment, fellas. Uh, again, these are dynasty-related statements at each position. Most of it has come from Twitter. Uh, and we'll just see if you guys agree or disagree with some of these sentiments that we found on <laughs> on Twitter, which is uh, very interesting this time of year. We'll just say that. Uh, Marcus Mariota, 14-26, 129 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. You know, week four, he came off of a great game against the Eagles, a great defense, and we thought, hey, maybe we can trust Mariota again. Nope. Uh, so a lot of the sentiments we saw on Twitter this 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 past weekend and and heading into today is that Marcus Mariota is not an NFL caliber franchise quarterback. Ryan, I think it's a little too soon to be saying that. If we want to say he's not a dynasty QB one, I would I would probably come closer to agreeing with that. But I guess it depends on your your definition of franchise quarterback. He's certainly one of the thirty two best quarterbacks in the league. Dan. I guess I'm going to disagree with you on that, and probably because I define a franchise quarterback as a guy that you are not willing to let go of your your uh, your team. I think that applies both for dynasty owners and the Tennessee Titans at this point. I I think uh, you know I'm just I haven't been all that that impressed to be honest. I've been saying it for for more than a year now that. Mariota is overrated both in the dynasty game and, and just simply as a football player, um, throwing more interceptions than, than touchdowns makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, it's, it's getting old for me. And I think he's skating by a little bit on that, that resume that he had coming out of college. I don't know how, how much longer that's going to last. I, I, I'm right in the middle of you guys. I, I don't, 
necessarily think he's a quote unquote franchise quarterback, but I mean, <laughs> who else are they going to get? Right? They're they're not going to be. They're probably not going to be drafting high enough to get one of the top quarterbacks this year uh, in 2019. But I mean, also who who is that guy right now? Uh, there's a few guys that that we could say is the top option there, but uh, it doesn't really seem like anyone standing out right now. So I think they're they're for better or for worse, they're stuck with Mariota for the foreseeable future. Is, is Marcus uh, Mariota going to win a Super Bowl for the Titans? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, not not in the current I state. Really I mean, I just so. like I just don't know what this offense is doing. They came out and looked so good against the Eagles, and then they get stymied by the Bills. It just it makes very little sense to me what's going on. I need to go back and watch that game closer. Did you guys have any other insights there about what happened for uh, the Titans in that game? Well, I've I've watched Mariota a lot, and I remember coming around slightly in his me second too. season. You remember when when his interception number was plummeting and and he was being really efficient. I think I think he threw for almost thirty five hundred yards and and had twenty five touchdowns and only eight interceptions, something like that. I'm going off a of memory, uh, and I thought you know maybe I was wrong about Mariota. And since that point, we haven't seen any of that. We've we've seen the interceptions increase. We've seen the mistakes and and the giddiness in the pocket. Uh, increase as well and and I just I can't get on board I don't think he's a true pocket passer I don't think he's that athlete that is gonna make a lot of things happen with his legs although he does some of it he, he doesn't he's not Michael Vick or anything like that so it's not enough to compensate for what he doesn't have in the pocket I, I just think he's he's a very robotic quarterback as long as the play goes as scripted he's fine but the second it goes off the rails, which it often does in the NFL in almost every play. He's he's not great at imp- improvising uh, and decision making once those, that pressure is on there. So yeah, he's tough. He's tough to trust. Ryan, uh, any other thoughts there on Mariota? Or we should we move on? Yeah, I, no, no real other thoughts. I mean, I, I do agree with a lot of what Dan said. And the bottom line, I think, as dynasty owners, I think we need to be concerned that we've been overrating him all along. He, he his first two seasons his I can't I'm trying to bring it up right now but I'm not going to be able to do it in time. Uh, but his his touchdown rate, especially in the red zone, was like in the elite category for for NFL quarterbacks. His first two seasons in, in regression, yada yada, back to the mean. But it's dipped even below that now. Maybe we're going back to regression the other direction. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's scary starting him right now. I, I put him in one lineup this week just because I. Over over Alex Smith because I thought, hey, he had a great week against the Eagles. He's going to do well against the Bills, and it just it did not work out. Uh, but anyway, uh, Andrew Luck, 38 of 59 for 365, three touchdowns and two interceptions last Thursday against the Patriots. Uh, the, a lot of the sentiment I saw on Twitter this week was that Luck has silenced all our fears about his throwing shoulder and should be ranked as a top five dynasty quarterback going forward. Ryan, I know you disagree with this one. Yeah, I, I certainly do disagree. I, I would He's been impressive from a volume standpoint, just that he has held up through these past couple of games, especially um, he threw 121 passes in the past two games combined. And uh, I, I did some searching. There's only one other quarterback in back-to-back weeks who ever eclipsed those numbers. That was Philip Rivers. I believe it was in 2015. So it really, we, we talk a lot about, coaching decisions and we you know we as fantasy players blame coaches for a lot of things that when things don't go our way whether it's Amari Cooper or uh, you know running back usage or or whatever but 
this is another one. You know, you've got this guy who missed an entire year plus with a career threatening shoulder injury. And, and I know their, their running game is, is not there right now to ask him to throw it 120 times in two weeks. I just, I just can't believe they would do that. So, uh, but, but they did. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on luck as really as a, a long-term option at this point. And I'm definitely not ranking him in my top five at, at one point, a few weeks ago, at the very beginning of the season, I was actually ready to move him outside of my top 10. I'm not going that far right now, but with these young quarterbacks, Mahomes, Watson, Wentz, Goff, I just don't see how you can put him ahead of any of those guys. I think probably seven or eight is his ceiling in quarterback ranks. Hmm. I'm, I'm not quite, quite as doom and gloom. I've, I think I agree and disagree with this one. I agree that he silenced all the fears about the throwing shoulder because we don't really hear that much of it anymore. I did the same thing that you did, Matt, and there there weren't a lot of comments about it. Obviously, a guy who throws it 121 times, that team isn't isn't uh, worried about it or concerned about it. And whether that's right or wrong, and we could debate that all day, I, I kind of fall on Ryan's side of that debate as well, that it, it might be um, a little irresponsible of the Colts to do so but but seeing it makes me feel like I I have a quarterback that I can trust to put out there and should be healthy that all said it's not the only injury he's ever had and uh I am I do I am concerned about it reappearing at some point but at the same time I think he's a lot closer to the 40 touchdown 4,500 out or 4,500 yard passing quarterback than he is that guy that missed an entire season because of the injury. If I have him, I'm trotting him out there happily going forward. But like Ryan said, that's in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about it still. It's just obviously not at the forefront at this moment. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about the shoulder anymore. I don't think he's top five, but I do him at seven. I think Ryan said he tops out at seven or eight. I think that's probably about the right range. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too upset if somebody had him at six. Five seems like a stretch given the guys we have there at the top now. Um, and I, I actually missed him because I thought uh, this this Thursday because I was like, you know, this is going to be a tough match against the Patriots. It's a Thursday night, and he doesn't even have T.Y. Hilton out there. Uh, but I think luck. I mean, maybe. May, I mean, it's it's hard to say this on a one game sample size. But to me, I feel like luck is one of those quarterbacks, like what I was talking about with Aaron Rodgers, where no matter what the weapons that he has out there. Uh, no matter how bad they are, he, he, he can make it work. He can kind of carry that offense on his back. And typically, uh, uh, volume is not positively correlated, correlated to fantasy points. There's been a lot of smart people, smarter than us, I'm sure, doing work on that for, for years now. And, and it's more of the efficiency that you're looking for at the quarterback position that, that uh, kind of positively correlates to fantasy points. So uh, I, I, I think it's definitely a positive. Uh, top five is, is a bit of a stretch for me going forward. And I agree, the shoulder certainly could come back. But may, maybe that's why why he is throwing so much maybe he maybe he he's totally over it i don't know but it does seem irresponsible of that coaching staff for sure running back dan isaiah crowell 15 for 219 and a touchdown one for 12 receiving his his backfield made almost at 100 yards too uh Bilal powell there um but a lot of the sentiment i saw on twitter this the last few days is that we can trust isaiah crowell as an every week running back two with fringe running back one upside going forward how do you feel about that I think I agree with that one. And it 
it feel I feel kind of dirty saying it because it doesn't seem right to be honest that you know I, I was a Crowell fan coming out of college and a Crowell fan when even when he was in Cleveland but I really saw the move to New York as a negative and and was kind of concerned that he wouldn't find that kind of workload again um he's found it though it, it's obviously there he's getting those touches and man he really caught my eye on Sunday that that run down the left sideline guys that that was impressive he pulled away and that's not something we immediately say about Isaiah Crowell it, it seems like he maybe trimmed down a little bit he's he's fast and I that's surprising to me because he doesn't I don't remember that happening in Cleveland although I you know who remembers much positive news coming out of Cleveland the last few years when he was there so while I while I'm excited about his upside and, and believe that he does have that fringe running back one upside weekly going forward, um, at the same time, you still have to keep it in the back of your mind that Crowell could lose his job at any point. He could take a step back at any point. I don't think he's that franchise tailback. We're not going to confuse him with a guy like Le'Veon Bell or anybody like that. So um, ride the ride the ride while we can in, in 2018, but 2019 will come and there could be a completely different situation for Crowell. Yeah, I have a hard time buying into this one. Uh, it, trust being the key word. Um, I mean, we've seen a couple of big games from him, and we've seen some duds. Um, so he he's honestly been a guy. I've got him on a few of my teams, and he's been a guy I haven't even considered starting uh, up until this point. In fact, in one league last week, I uh, I made a couple of trades just so I didn't have to start him, and that didn't work out so well. But, no, I'm still not ready to trust him. I'm not ready to trust anybody on that offense. Yeah, I would say if this said running back three with occasional running back one upside when he gets those multi-touchdown games, I might agree with that. Running back two is tough, though, considering he doesn't really catch the ball, which I, I think he can but Bilal Powell has that role kind of locked down. So backs that, that don't catch the ball, I just I have a hard time feeling good about if it's anything other than like a bye week or injury fill-in. I've started Crowell twice this season so far, and they were both on his down weeks, and I missed both of his big games. So uh, just, just difficult to figure out when to start this guy. Kenyon Drake, Ryan, 6 for 46 on the ground, 7 for 69, and a touchdown receiving. Uh, some of the Twitter sentiment this past couple of days that Drake has solidified his role as the unquestioned running back one in Miami. You must have made that up. I don't think anybody really said that. <laughs> There's no way. Um, Drake had one good catch, uh, touchdown catch, 22 yards, I think. Um, and, and yeah, that was pretty much it. That was all I saw that I was impressed with. Uh, he's He's been outtouched by Frank Gore the past three weeks, 31 to 24. Uh, I just, I'm really, really disappointed with Drake and, and this is uh, talked about the coaching staff. Uh, this is another one that seems, seems really odd to, you know, to go with Frank Gore over this guy who, at least through the last half of last year, proved that he can play in this league and play at a high level and produce. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, they're turning their back on that and, and going with, uh, going with Gore, while well, as great as he is, we know he's uh, he's not long for the league. So this this doesn't doesn't make sense. But I'm again not not trusting Gore and don't view him as as the RB one there anymore. 
And, and I don't either. I, I thought the same thing when I read it, Ryan, that, <laughs> oh, this is the one that Matt threw in there. He, he, <laughs> he was reading between the lines on some tweets or something like that. And, you know, I put these together in the last couple of weeks, and you have to do that a little bit. I'm, I'm nervous about Drake's role as well and, and see him as the same player. I, I, I see those ex- explosive plays or the potential for those plays and wonder why that coaching staff doesn't want to get him the football and give him the chances to make them. But since we're not seeing that, we're not seeing 18 touches a game like we should from Drake. And, and those are the things that they talked about in the preseason and throughout the offseason that we were going to see with with the young running back rather than the than the veteran there. So like Ryan said, you know, he's been great in the past, Gore has, but I want to see more of Drake, and until we do, I, I can't say that he's solidified any kind of role in Miami. I suppose there was a little bit of reading between the lines there, but there were some people out there that had a lot of positive things to say about Drake, and, and it made me wonder if, if they really watched this game. I did watch this entire game yesterday on uh, on Game Pass, and Gore started this game, which was different than the, the two previous weeks, and it really seemed like Drake was that that change of pace back, if you want to call him back, that, that satellite back. He, that was the role they were giving him this week, and he he did end up out-snapping uh, uh, Gore at the uh, by the time the game was over, but a lot of that was in that hurry-up offense towards the end when they were trying to scramble and, and come back from uh, from that deficit. They actually led pretty much the entire game, then Cincinnati put up all those points in the fourth quarter, and they were scrambling, so Drake was, was in on there and a lot of that, so... Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know what they're doing with Drake, but I don't I, I can't trust him. I, I I had him on a bench in, in pretty much every league. I can't imagine anybody really started him unless it was an emergency situation to capture this one good game uh, they just had this season. Let's move on to wide receiver Dan Adam Thielen seven for 116 yards and a touchdown. Five straight gains with at least six catches and 102 yards. Adam Thielen should be ranked as a top eight dynasty wide receiver going forward and ahead of his teammate, Stephon Diggs. Oh, this was a tough one, Matt. I I had a little bit of trouble. I I went through my rankings, and I agree that he should be ahead of Diggs. And that doesn't feel good to say, to be honest with you. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's a top eight, eight wide receiver. And so I guess I agree and disagree at the same time. Um, Thielen's only 28 years old, so it's not like he's super old or anything like that. I, I know we start to worry about age with these receivers once they get into those high 20s, but he's not just there yet, and the production that we've seen is through the roof. I, th- I think this production is what we expected to see from Diggs, who's had his moments for sure and, and has three nine-plus catch games already this year but also has a couple of relative stinkers where we're we're scratching our heads and wondering what happened there so um I like Thielen and man I wish I had more shares of him because he he was so cheap just you know 24 months ago and and I just didn't jump on it I I wish I had and, and those that did really got a bargain because I don't expect him to slow down all that much while I you know we can't expect 10 plus catches and 110 plus yards and, and a touchdown every other week going forward. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to catch six to 10 balls every week and catches a touchdown every other, or, or at least every third week going forward. And that's a one, a wide receiver one in fantasy leagues for at least the rest of this season. And we'd certainly be looking at him if he were able to keep this pace up next year as the same type of wideout going into 2019. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. I I don't have 
uh, Thielen ranked that way right now. I do have him outside of my top eight. And, and I actually, for now, still have Diggs ab- above him. But at the same time, I would I would agree with this statement. I think it's totally reasonable to have him in the top eight at this point. And it's kind of like our top five quarterback d- discussion. There's there's more than eight great wide receivers right now. It's it's tough to to narrow down your top five or your top ten even because there there's so many talented guys that you want to make room for in that wide receiver one range. Yeah, I, I updated my rankings just earlier today or last night actually, and I moved him up to 13. That was as high as I could get him. He's just behind Juju, and then I have Diggs at 12. So it's tough. I, I think there is definitely an argument to be had to rank him above Diggs, but just the age, the maybe we can't even really talk about the upside argument anymore because Thielen has shown us every week he's going to catch 100 yards basically. But I feel like, I don't know, there's still something in the back of my mind and it may be just, just bias watching them on the field. It just feels like Diggs has a little bit more week-to-week upside and that may be totally wrong. I don't know. But I think based on the four years age different, I think we can still have Diggs you know, a spot or two ahead of him. But I certainly would not argue with anyone that wanted to move him up into their, their top eight there. Because uh, he's he's currently the wide receiver one overall in fantasy for 2018, so uh, he's a pretty good player. This is totally a, a sidetrack, but going back to our, our our bet podcast about Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup's currently the wide receiver four. You guys, that's that's crazy, ahead of both Woods and Brandon Cooks. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled program. Uh, back to you first here, Ryan Kenny Galladay, uh, four for 99 and a touch, four for 98 and a touchdown this week. Galladay is a top 15 wide dynasty wide receiver going forward. Again, this that's not how I have him ranked currently, but I, I think it's totally reasonable. We have our uh, new ADP on the side, as I mentioned. In October, he came in as the wide receiver 20, uh, 39 overall. And if you look at the, the players ahead of him, uh, you could see him even moving up further or if, if we were to start these drafts again today rather than a couple weeks ago, T.Y. Hilton ahead of him, Will Fuller ahead of him, Amari Cooper, uh, he could certainly jump ahead of those guys and get to that wide wide receiver 15 range. So I, I guess I'll slightly disagree, but it's, it's not crazy. Uh, like I said, I went through my rankings in preparation for the pod today and I ended up with him at 16. So it didn't, it, it doesn't seem that crazy, like Ryan kind of alluded to, that that he would be that high. And I can see why Galladay owners everywhere aren't giving him up for, for anything less than a, a really nice player at this point. Um, I'm certainly excited about that upside, and, and we're, we're certainly seeing it. Um, you know, a lot of us were a little concerned about the three headed monster at wide receiver in Detroit coming into the season. And it's fair to say that going forward, Galladay is going to get his. He has at least four catches in each of their games, at least 53 yards, and has scored in three of the five games. Honestly, watching that game on Sunday against the Packers, it felt to me, and Matt, you could probably speak to this a little bit too, it felt to me like he was all over the place. I was shocked he only had four catches for 98 yards because it seemed like he was dominating. Uh, and he constantly open. Um, and maybe that says something about the Green Bay secondary, but it seems to me mostly that that Galladay has taken that step that Dynasty owners wanted him to take going into year two in the NFL, and we, we should only project for him to continue to move up those rankings. 
Yeah, I'm not ready for top 15, but again, I wouldn't argue with anybody that has him there. I still have him down at wide receiver 24, which is probably a little bit low. Uh, Ryan, it looks like you have him at 22, so we're, we're pretty much lockstep there. Um, I have him just behind Corey Davis and a Cooper Cup. It's probably, probably a little bit of bias on my point, but uh, he's right in that range, I think, for me. So, um, But remember when you could buy Kenny Galladay for one first-round pick? That would have been nice if I had if I had if I had done any of that, but I did it. That, you know, it's really interesting the the name you mentioned there, Corey Davis. I I think that'd be an interesting poll to put out there because yeah. it it'd be surprising to me if Davis won that one at this point when you consider what they've done over the, especially over these five weeks. I think if you put it out there, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think if you put it out there right now, it'd be really close. If we had put it out there last week after Davis had his was it last week he had his two touchdown yeah. game then but probably th- but Davis really that's on. the only thing that that Davis truthers no. are holding on to this year he he's been a disappointment as everybody in Tennessee has but you know if you if you went to the beginning of the season and said one of these guys are going to have these stats and the other guy after five weeks will have these stats most people would have said I bet Davis has the bigger numbers considering their situations and everything and, and, you know, how they came into the league. Um, Galladay has just blown past him, in my opinion. I, I honestly, if I was a Detroit Lions fan, I would be so frustrated with this team right now because I don't know how you aren't more productive with the set of three receivers that they have. Uh, that offense, I mean, we've, we've, we've loved what Jim Bob Cooter has done for Matt Stafford and this offense in general for the last few years, but it just seems like there should be a lot more there than, than what's happening. But Galladay is extremely impressive, obviously. That, that catch on the sideline he had uh, where he went up and caught it behind the guy and twisted around to, 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 and still kept his feet in bounds, he's, he's a monster, and I think we're really seeing you know, a guy that's going to be eventually in the top ten. I don't think you can really buy him right now, but if you still can get him, uh, I mean, can you get him from two first even right now, Ryan? Is, is that a no. price that somebody would sell him for? No, we actually had that same conversation on the Dynasty Blueprint earlier this week, and and I I said no, I don't I don't think two first buys him, and honestly, he's a guy in in some ways I was wrong on uh, just even just a few weeks ago in the preseason when everybody was kind of uh, starting to to realize that he could be really good one of my thoughts as far as his ADP was he couldn't get into that wide receiver one range because he he was a little bit older for a rookie. He had these two guys, you know, in in front of him at that point, we could say. And I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. He's already up to 20, as I said. And I mean, this time next year, yeah, we could be talking about a top 10 guy. Um, That's, that's certainly not, out of the realm of possibility. I, I said on on the other show, and I'll say it here since we're talking about it, I think if you want him, probably the easiest way to get him is to try to move a guy like A.J. Green or Julio Jones and just hope to get a little piece back, um, a, a, a second-round pick or a prospect or whatever. Uh, two first is not going to buy him. Oh, that makes me sad. I have, good I think advice, I have, though. It is good advice. I think I have one out of 15 shares of him and, and definitely not enough. Uh, tight end, you guys. Back to you, Ryan. Um, Eric Ebron, 9 for 105 and a touchdown last Thursday. He's currently the tight end three overall in, in, uh, in 2018. So even with Jack Doyle, when Jack Doyle returns from injury, Eric Ebron is the tight end to own in Indianapolis. 
Uh, I agree. That was that was my opinion all throughout the offseason as soon as they signed him. Uh, I, I felt that way. And honestly, I think I was kind of a little too dismissive of Doyle. Um, I think he can be not only a contributor, I think they could both end up as tight end ones at any point that they're both healthy and on the field. That's partially due to the ugly tight end landscape we've got right now. And also the options that, that Andrew Luck has in Indianapolis, um, that when everybody's healthy, I would say they're the, the second and third options for luck in, in that pass offense. So, uh, but yeah, Ebron's the guy I want to have. I think he's the more talented guy. They're looking to him in the red zone. We, we know he's a great athlete. I, I don't see, I mean, he's, he's a frustrating player, the drops and the inconsistency, but that's, that's true of a lot of these, these tight ends at this point. So he's the guy I want. Yeah. I, I flip flop so many times between these two. I can't I can't even remember which one I liked at at what point. I think it's like Ryan was saying there. There's the consistency of Doyle, a guy that catches everything thrown his way and consistently gets open, but isn't necessarily that vertical threat against Ebron, who can make those eye popping plays, but head scratching plays on the very next snap. So. Uh, I, I think both of them are valuable and both of them are, are certainly going to come through for dynasty owners at some point this year or in stretches this year. Obviously, Ebron's the guy that, that I would want if I had the choice. If, if I'm holding Doyle right now and somebody offered me Ebron, I'm taking that in a snap second. Uh, but it really speaks to the landscape of the of the tight end position that we can't wait for Jack Doyle to come back because we need him. Yeah, I'm I'm still team Doyle. It's it's probably wrong at this point, but but before going out for injury, he was out targeting Ebron. I will have to I do have to admit that Ebron just looks like a different player this year than what we saw in Detroit. He's making these plays in the end zone, which we thought he could do in Detroit when there was literally no one else there. Um, that 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 they could trust in the red zone for the most part. So I, I, this one's really hard. I, I think they could. I think like Ryan said, they in any given week they can both be tight end ones if they're when they're both healthy, and maybe they both finish as a tight end one uh, with their season end numbers if Doyle can get back here soon. So I think I still want Doyle slightly, but uh, I'm probably wrong about that. I'm certainly open to be wrong about that. I I am kind of starting to be a little worried about this Doyle injury. Anytime. There's injuries like that where we just don't exactly know what's going on. Team, the team is not being very forthcoming. At, at some point, I think it's fair to be really worried. And for him, I believe it's a hip injury, which is not one of these common common things that a player misses. You know, just a small amount of time for a lot of times, a, a hip injury could be a season ender. And I'm I'm just starting to get that feeling we're gonna you know, wake up one day and it, it's going to be Doyle to the IR. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't think they're the same uh, level of severity, but a hip injury is what ended Dennis Pitt's career. So, I mean, there's certainly precedent for that uh, in the past. So uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about a little bit of strategy before we get out of here. I'm kind of stealing some of Dan's that we didn't get to last week, uh, but let's throw these out there. Dan, my team is five and zero or four and one with lots of overachievers. I'm going to start trading future assets to go for it. Oh, I'm always for going for it. Now, <laughs> there's varying levels of overachievers. You know, if you got guys that are playing outside their outside their realm of possibility for an entire season, I think I think you have to question it 
at least momentarily. But if you're truly 5-0 and at this point, you are a contender, to no matter how you got there. Even if you look at points in your sixth and points, you, you, you are close to having a playoff spot locked up. And, you know, we've always said on this show that if you're in the playoffs, you have a chance to win the league. So... Um, this is the game. It, this is a game where you can get, add one or two pieces, and they can make a drastic change, especially in dynasty, when players that uh, are elite players can be had late in the season because they're simply on a bad team, and, and you have the assets to to go get them. So uh, I'm always for going for it. I think being honest with your chances is vital to making these decisions. But if if you're if you're five and all, you're you're a contender at this point, no matter what that roster looks like. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't think I'm probably as as aggressive as you guys are in giving up future assets, whether it's young players or picks. But um, as Dan said, if you if you've already got four or five wins, you only need you know you only need a, a few more to lock in that playoff spot at the very worst. And if Making a move for a uh, for a running back or uh, you know a tight end, whatever you might need, if that makes a difference, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think a, I think the smartest person in this scenario would probably wait a little, maybe a couple of more weeks to see if they actually need to to move some future assets for that. But you guys know me; I'm I'm certainly open to moving this. I moved the first this this week actually on a contender for Alshon, and it didn't really work out for me in week five. But uh, I'm pretty excited about what he's going to do going down the stretch there. So on the flip side of that, uh, Ryan, I'm 0-5 or 1-4, and and, and I expected to contend this season, but things haven't gone my way. Uh, I haven't really had any injuries, but I think I'm done, and I need to start dealing everyone that's 28 and older. Yeah, you are done. Uh, If you've got five (laughs) losses, you are done. Like Dan said, you have to be honest with your roster evaluation, and even if that evaluation has changed since the regular season we're we're five or six weeks um into the season now and uh, it's crazy that things change that quickly but they do and players that we thought were going to be every week starters now have virtually no value and and it's flip-flopped that guys that are on the waiver wire are starting right like uh like our our guy in denver so yeah, I, I think I, I don't know about everyone twenty-eight and over. I, I'm not even. I'm not that much of an ageist. I think you know some of these guys, AJ Green, Julio Jones. I'm not selling these guys for pennies on the dollar. Um, but if you've got those uh, Emmanuel Sanders types, then yeah, those are the guys I'm selling. So to be fair, Ryan, you're an ageist, just not quite that much. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> an admitted ageist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I was going to say the same thing. I'm not dealing everyone and certainly not for sure, but I'm out there looking for, especially the guy we talked about earlier, that overachiever that's 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh and is all of a sudden thinking he's going to win the league. I'm I'm looking to, to try to find some young talent off of that roster, a future draft pick, because, um, you know, maybe he was projected to have the seventh, eighth, ninth pick in the draft, and now he's thinking suddenly it's going to be the twelfth pick in the draft. Um, he could take a dip back down to reality and suddenly become uh, that that becomes a middle of the first round draft pick. So, so I'm uh, I'm doing the same things that Ryan said. I'm certainly looking into it. And if you're zero and five, you're 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 almost DOA, man. 
Yeah, I mean, typically, I think I think eight wins is a pretty good cutoff. If I can get to eight wins, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm getting in the playoffs. Obviously, there are times when that's not going to happen. But if I'm 0-5, I'm probably not winning eight straight. Um, and like Ryan said, I think that is the the real move is to move those guys that have, you know, that second round valuation where you can uh, move these guys like Emmanuel Sanders, maybe Demarius Thomas a little bit, a little bit more than that, just based on name value, not certainly not based on production this season. Um, but those guys where I can pick up maybe t- a few extra seconds and then package those eventually to get maybe get an extra first or something down the line. I, I think that really is the move here uh, with your teams that are struggling like this. Uh, one more time, one more since we have a little bit of time, guys, and not on the agenda, but this is another thing that came out on Twitter th- over the last couple of days. It's that defense doesn't matter in the NFL anymore. So let's not invest anything in defense. Let's build up our offense and and not really worry about the defense. What do you what do you think about that, Dan? Well, I, I think there's some defenses around the league that you look at them and you, you you'd say, wow, it you know it really matters. Uh, you know, I, I've had the a chance to watch the Rams quite a bit recently, and especially before those defensive backs started missing time. That looked like a really nice defense, and it wasn't that long ago that the Seahawks defense was stifling those big-time offenses and and turning uh, elite quarterbacks into average to above-average quarterbacks. So um, I see where that's all coming from, and a lot of the creativity and the unique play calling that we've seen from offenses probably – makes us feel that way from time to time uh the rules and how defenders are judged so quickly on snap decisions have certainly impacted how we feel about that um obviously our rule book is is skewed totally towards the offense and you know the nfl is looking for big plays and and even to manufacture big plays with penalties and such so uh i know that that exists for sure it's still fun to watch an elite defense to me, and I think it still matters even for Dynasty because, you know, we we see that in our weekly m- matchups. Um, we, we've gotten to the point where we look at matchups individually with these wide receivers against elite corners, and, and if that corner travels with the elite wide receiver off the other side, and, and that affects how we rank them, and even if we put them in our lineup. So defense certainly matters both for the for as an NFL fan and a dynasty owner um, I'm not willing to give up on those defenses because like I said I, I like watching them a re- really good defense that can put pressure on a quarterback and create turnovers is still fun to watch yeah I, I pretty much agree with everything Dan said I, I think I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth I think the specific point or, or the take was that defenses don't matter when projecting player performance offensive players on a weekly basis so uh which yeah i mean to me i I still disagree with if 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 it weren't for good defenses bad defenses then then we would essentially project players for the same numbers every week uh which which just seems silly so yeah i i I don't know really where that came from but that seems uh, pretty outlandish to me I think part of it is too is that we're 
we we feel like we're good at predicting game stripped, but we're we're not. Like uh, Tennessee this week, we thought they beat Philadelphia. Let's come out and they're going to smash Buffalo, right? Just didn't happen. And there are, there are probably better examples than that that I'm not thinking of right now. But I just think we we think that we as a community, as pro- projectors or whatever you want to call it, are we think we're better at predicting how a game's going to go than we actually are. Which is you know why Vegas makes billions of dollars every year on this sport. But uh, that's going to wrap us up. For this week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, please follow Ryan at MC23. Follow Dan at DMiler22. Follow me at MattPriceFF. Follow the podcast at DLF Podcast. If you feel like it, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We love to hear your feedback, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, and what we can do better. So for these guys, have a great week, everybody. We will see you after week six. This is really what we should should expect from Louisville Cardinals, though. They're just... <laughs> well done, sir.